Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Remember, Paul was an attorney. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And being a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be an attorney. So Paul was an attorney. And as Paul writes his epistles, he often writes them in attorney-like fashion. Here, beginning in verse 18, he takes us into the courtroom. And his purpose of taking us into the courtroom is to accuse all of mankind that they are all guilty before God. Now, this is very important. Are you listening? This is very important. Because if we are to know and to understand the magnitude of the grace of God, then it is important to understand the depth of your sin. You got to understand how really dark things were in order for you to really appreciate the light. I'll say it this way. The people that I find are the most grateful And the most thankful are the people who lived the darkest lives. I'll say it like this. You know, people that have come from, you know, abusive backgrounds, sinful backgrounds, uh, horrible, awful, tragic backgrounds, when they come to know God and they come to know Jesus Christ and they are born again, they tend to be the ones that are the most grateful and the most thankful and the most worshiping and, and humble because they know where they came from, so they appreciate where they are. Do you understand? And that's what Paul's purpose is now. He needs to point out to us how dark really things are so that God's grace can shine even brighter. It's almost like when you go to buy diamonds. Now, y'all buy diamonds, I don't. But if you ever have, well, I was in Israel. They sell lots of diamonds in Israel. We went to the diamond factory. I don't know why, because I wasn't buying no diamonds, but some folks on the bus were. And uh, first thing they do, they take a diamond out. What do they do? They take the diamond, they show it to you, you point it out, and then what do they do? They take a black piece of cloth and they put it behind it. What happens? The diamond is all that much more brighter. So Paul's point here is to make it really dark, really, really dark, so that as we move forward into chapter 2, chapter 3, all the way through the book, we get an appreciation for the grace of God just shines brighter and brighter and brighter. And should I forewarn you this morning, the text that we are about to embark upon is brutal. This, this morning, if you've come, you've come at a wonderful time. Because we're going to get a spiritual whooping this morning. 
I didn't think I'd get too many amens there. You know, people love to amen on the promises of God. As soon as you say, oh, we're going to get a spiritual whooping. Well, I'll never hear anybody going, amen, hallelujah. Romans chapter 1, we'll pick up in verse 18. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. For the wrath of God is revealed, unveiled. You taking notes? Revealed, unveiled from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, underline this, suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since creation, in verse 20, of the world, the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. The invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are, what saints? Made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Point number one in our outline, the second outline I'm going to give you, is the truth suppressed. The truth suppressed. We'll talk about this this morning. The truth suppressed, the truth substituted, and the truth soiled. The truth suppressed in verses 18 through 20. Notice Paul tells us in verse 18 that the wrath of God, I want you to look at it again in verse 18. The wrath of God, note this, is revealed. Notice he does not say the wrath of God shall be revealed, but the wrath of God is revealed. Now make no mistake, in the last days, toward the end times, the wrath of God shall be revealed. God is going to pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting sinful world. Pick up the CDs in the book of Revelation or just read it. Chapter 6 through chapter 19 in the book of Revelation. The wrath of God shall be revealed in the end times. But that's not what Paul is saying here. You want to notice in your Bibles, Paul says the wrath of God is revealed. In other words, the wrath of God is right now being revealed. The wrath of God this morning is being revealed. Now, there are people who have a hard time understanding the wrath of God. Some people have a hard time understanding the wrath of God because when people think of the wrath of God, they think of the wrath of men. When people think of the wrath of God, they think of the wrath of men. People don't understand the wrath of God because they equate it with the wrath of men. See, the wrath of man is motivated by self. The wrath of man it gets angry and wrathful because they don't get their way. And so they get angry and the wrath of man results in violence. The wrath of man results in temper tantrums. The wrath of God is different. God doesn't have temper tantrums. Somebody say amen. amen. You knew that. God doesn't get angry and have temper tantrums. So the wrath of God is different than the wrath of man. God's wrath is always directed. God's wrath always has a purpose. God's wrath always has a reason, and God's wrath is always justifiable. People have a hard time with the wrath of God. People say, how can God be a God of love and a God of wrath at the same time? Listen, God, and I want you to understand this and be, listen very carefully. God's wrath and God's love go hand in hand. 
If God truly is, listen close, if God truly is a God of love, then he must be a God of wrath and judgment. He must. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, look at it this way. If a rabid, diseased dog came into my home, was about to bite my kids, foaming at the mouth, snarling with the teeth, and I took out my 38, which I don't have a 38. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the pastor is packing. <laughs> no, I really, I don't. No, I don't. But if I did, if I did, and I took out my 38, and I shot the dog, would I be justified? Well, of course I would be. It would not be justifiable. It would be kind of weird if I said, you know, I love dogs. And, you know, I just love, you know, dogs with diseases. And, you know, I, I just think, go ahead, tell my kids, go ahead, pet the puppy. Pet the puppy? Wait a minute. No, I would be justified in shooting the doomed, diseased dog. My wrath, my judgment would be justified. The same is true of God. Listen, God is a God of love. And because God is a God of love, listen, God knows what will ruin the life of man, not just temporarily, but also eternally. And God is angry at that. And so the wrath of God is revealed against, notice in your Bibles in verse 18 again, against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. Ungodliness, if you're taking notes, is sin against God. Have you been here on Wednesday night? You know that's the first table of the law, sin against God. And then unrighteousness is sin against man. You guessed it. That's the second table of the law. You see, God, listen, saints, give me your attention. We have to understand something. God is a holy God. The very nature of God is holiness. And because God's nature is holy, he automatically rejects sin. He rejects it. It's repulsive to him. You could almost say that God is allergic to sin, he rejects it. He, 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 it's almost like what, what, what you do, you know, with your, with your nostrils when you smell a foul odor. You just kind of go, I mean, it depends on how foul it is. But <laughs> some people go, oh, my God, no. <laughs> but you just kind of, that's what God does with sin. It's almost like being trapped in a room with a skunk or something in a small room. And you can't get away from it. There's a God. God wants to just get away, stay away, repulsed against sin. So God's wrath is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Look at it again in verse 18, who suppress the truth. This word suppress, saints, if you're taking notes, you write this down. This word suppress refers to a helmsman steering a boat against the current. The current wants to take the boat in one direction, but the helmsman is determined to go in the opposite direction. And so he holds the rudder so he can go his own way. So the person, are you listening? 
The person who is suppressing the truth of the word is resisting and fighting God. He's holding down the truth that is in him. Did you see that in your text? The truth that is in them, or it's better translated, the the truth that is revealed to them, because in verse 19, God has shown it unto them. God has shown them the truth. And what is, listen, look at me. What is the truth that God has shown to them? It's as simple as this, that God exists. The truth that God is the creator. God has revealed himself. Now, there are two ways in which God reveals himself as creator, as designer. Two ways. Number one, in general revelation. General revelation refers to the fact that God has revealed himself in nature. General revelation. Secondly, God reveals himself in specific revelation. Specific revelation means that God has revealed himself through Jesus, through his word. General revelation shows God as creator. So God has given man, are you listening, two ways in which he has revealed himself. In general revelation, in everything that you see. When you go to the beach and you see the sand and you go to the mountains and you see the mountains. I'm working here, people, okay? And you see the mountains. This is God revealing himself in general revelation. And then specific revelation, he reveals himself through his word. And because God, are you still trekking with me? Because God has revealed himself in general revelation and specific revelation, every man on the planet is without excuse of not knowing God. Men are without excuse. Therefore, that would also cause us to conclude that there are no true atheists. Where did this word come from? Atheists, listen, according to the Bible, now look, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Argue with God. If you don't agree with me, don't come up to me after service telling me, okay? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Pastor Rodney, well... And they always started off with, you know, Pastor Rodney, that was a nice sermon, but, and I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. Listen, if you don't agree, that's fine, but argue with God. There are no true atheists. You can't be an atheist. There's no such thing as an atheist. Atheism is a man-made term because God is very, very clear. He has revealed himself through nature. The pygmies in Africa or wherever they are located. <laughs> the folks, well, what about the folks who never heard about Jesus? All this is foolishness. The Bible talks about professing themselves become, be wise, they're fools. That's just foolishness. What about the pygmies in Africa? No, what about you? <laughs> God has revealed himself. There are no true atheists. Just because you don't believe in God does not mean he does not exist. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, I just don't believe it. And? What? Oh, when you don't believe God goes, oh, darn, what am I going to (laughs) do? 
What do I do now? Look, just because you don't believe God, you didn't throw God off. He still exists whether you believe or not. There's no true atheist at all. God has revealed himself through nature. Paul says his divine attributes, get this, his divine attributes are clearly seen through the things that are made. You can see God through the things that are made. You can't escape God. You can't look at the mountains and go, oh, well, they just showed up. You can't look at your watch and go, oh, it just showed up. If you have a watch, there must be a watchmaker. You got a pair of shoes, there has to be a cobbler. Y'all don't even know what a cobbler is, do you? <laughs> I know world is a cobbler. I know peach cobbler. <laughs> Just hand me some of that. What's a cobbler? It's like, Martha, what's a cobbler? It's a shoemaker. That's dating myself there. But, 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 but the things that are, are, are seen, clearly seen, are, are the things that testify to the existence of God. If you have a design, you must have a designer. It was Dr. Jan David Henning. He's a theologian and a pastor. And he said this, it is not that we don't know about God. The evidence of his existence is everywhere in this wonderful biosphere we call home. The billboards of creation splash the advertisement of intelligent design all around us. Listen, from the telescope to the microscope, we can learn of God. I found something very interesting. Uh, maybe I can squeeze it in. Very interesting, I want to show you. Uh, this little online thing I found is a view, listen, from the Milky Way at 10 million light years from the Earth. And then from the Milky Way, we zoom in to a microscopic world of a leaf all the way into the subatomic universe of electrons and protons. This is what this shows you. Let's turn off the lights. Let me see if I can have this microphone because I want to read you the captions as, uh, as we uh, scroll through. I think you will find this uh, fascinating. So can I have my mic there? Okay. You can turn all the lights off. It'll be seen better. All right, how am I doing? Good. Okay, look, let me get over here so I can see because I'm going blind, y'all. Okay, let's see. Here we have a view 10 million light years away from the Milky Way. An order of magnitude closer, that's 1 million light years. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, look at all those stars and God knows the name of every one of them. Stars at the rim of the Milky Way galaxy. We're zooming in closer. Stars in the Milky Way galaxy. A hundred light years from Earth and nothing but stars. And more stars at ten light years from the Earth. The sun is the brightest star at one light year. The sun is growing larger. <laughs> the solar system from one billion, one hundred billion kilometers away. Our solar system. Orbits of Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and Jupiter. Parts of the orbits of Venus, Earth, and Mars. Part of the Earth's orbit. The Earth and the orbit of the moon. 
the Earth from 100,000 kilometers. The western hemisphere of the Earth. Southeastern United States. Leon, Wakula, and Franklin counties in Florida. Southwest Tallahassee, Florida. The National High Magnetic Field Laboratory. There's the roof. Nearby trees, the lake, and the laboratory roof. Top of a large oak tree. Yeah. Oak tree branch with leaves. Oak tree leaves at actual size. From a telescope to a microscope, surface of an oak leaf magnified 10 times. Surface of an oak leaf magnified 100 times. Cells on the leaf surface. Individual leaf cells. The nucleus of a leaf cell. Chromatin in the leaf cell nucleus. Individual DNA strands. DNA nucleotide building blocks. Outer electron cloud of carbon atom. Electron in the inner electron shell. Empty space between the inner shell and nucleus. Nucleus viewed beneath the electron shells. Nucleus of a carbon atom. Face to face with a single proton. Examining quarks. And they say the Big Bang did all that. <laughs> I get a Big Bang out of that comment. Did y'all enjoy that? Interesting. Wasn't it interesting? And so, what we have here, listen, I show you that to tell you this the planetary, solar, atmosphere, biosphere, down to the ecosystem. Listen, God, listen. Did not wear gloves when he created this place. God left his fingerprints all over everything. And Psalm 19 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. That's why in verse 20, or pardon me, verse 19, look at it again. The Bible says God has shown it to them. And in verse 20, it says that they are without excuse. Men know God from creation and conscience, but refuse to honor him as God. And basically, God says this. They know. know, I know they know, and they know they know. They, the scientist knows. And in order for you to reject God, you have to reject science. You see, God has made himself known to every man. You must suppress the truth. Point number one in our outline. Point number two, I got to move on. The truth substituted. Look at verse 21 in chapter one. Because although they knew God in verse 21, they did not glorify him as God, but were, notice, they were not thankful. 
But they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds and four footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up. You'll see this again to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who changed the truth of God substituted the truth of God for, note this, saints, the lie. Not a lie, the lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Give me your attention. Notice when a man is obstinate, hard-hearted, Unthankful, refuse to glorify God, God will allow them to go their own way. If they want to suppress or steer their lives in a direction that God has not intended, then God will allow them to go their own way. And they will substitute the truth. If you don't want to deal with the, re- the truth, then you have to have a substitute for the truth. And God will allow them, God will give them up. And when you substitute the truth, Then you become futile and vain and empty in your thoughts. Their reasoning becomes off center. And then they become foolish. Their foolish hearts are darkened. Their perceiving becomes off. And their philosophy about God and about life is off. Philosophy, philosophers. Someone once said this. A philosopher, listen, is like a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there. And then they went on to say, that's not the problem. The problem is he finds it. (laughs) That's philosophy for you. Looking for something that's not there. And if it's not there, well, we better make something up. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.